Welcome back to the Vobis Dude podcast. I'm here today with Anish Kotru. He's a former colleague of mine, a also former classmate of mine. I, I would like to say he's a friend of mine as well. Great dude into photography, bit of travel. We're going to talk about all that. So welcome, Anish. Good to have you. Thank you, Mike. Um, as always, a pleasure to uh, to talk to you. Uh, thank you. You added the friend at the end because <laughs> I'm yeah, like, I, I hope he doesn't miss that part. Of no, <laughs> I think you're a friend for sure. Uh, we've been friends for quite some time, and and you know, you're one of the early people who gave this Vobis dude thing a shot when I was just like, yo, I have this idea. What would you like to write on this blog? So I appreciate. Yeah, I think. I think it it was it it was really when you when you told me about it it was for me it was uh, this is really an amazing idea that uh, that you have come up with and since then you have progressed obviously to to so many more forms of communication and uh, and media so it's only going to get better and you've had amazing people on on the on the Bobby's Dude podcast and also writing for you so it's nice it's it's a community and it's building it's Um, cool i'm just glad to be part of it yeah i'm happy it's something i can return to from time to time like i've definitely taken some time off to take care of some things outside but happy to use this time now to get back to it but more about you this interview is about you so i want to ask you yeah for for some context for people where where are you calling from right now so i am currently sitting in the state of himachal pradesh in in india and uh, this is near the himalayas the closest mountain range to um, to uh, to Himachal Pradesh is the Dhaladhar range. It's, it's an area that is very close to my heart because uh, obviously, of course, the mountains are there, and uh, me having been born in in very very close proximity to the Himalaya, not having lived there, um, which gives me a, an added incentive to come back here and mm-hmm. and sort of just be at ease because um, it's it's a place I find always uh, when I come here. I can just be uh, mm-hmm. without having to to worry about stuff. So that is um, good. This is yeah, and in and in Himachal Pradesh, this is a a city called Palampur. And for most of the people who know this place, they know uh, Dharamsala, uh, they know uh, Maklod Ganj, and that's where the Dalai Lama has his residence and also where he gives his uh, teachings. So that's about thirty kilometers from here. So uh, just for a reference. It's a very viewers. spiritual place, or at least close to many, right? Yeah, the place itself, of course, the Himalaya um, themselves have have a certain charm, have a certain uh, pool of energies that have been left behind by a lot of people who have meditated here mm-hmm. over the last 500,000 years. Of course, the mountains. But yeah, it's it's a very special place for me, especially. In general, the uh, the atmosphere and uh, and the nature that surrounds us has given rise to a lot of uh, people who have sought to find themselves here. As uh, as can be said, it's a bit of a cliche finding yourself and so on. Yeah. But but people come here generally who have not see for for example um, the people who live here who have lived here for for an eternity. For them, the mountains are like you you get out of the house there right there. So for them, it's uh, it's it's not something that they that they feel is missing from their lives you know mm-hmm. so it's only the people who come from outside and they're like oh my god uh, it's these magnificent are seven yeah. eight thousand meter high mountains for them it's uh, it's a uh, sort of a shock you know in germany uh Zugspitze is uh, i think 2800 2900 so it, it that gives you a, a a sort of a reference uh point the Dolada range uh, which is the lower himalayas 
they themselves start at uh, 3,500 and go up to um, 5,000, uh, 5,000, 5,200, I think, uh, or close by. Uh, maybe I'm getting my facts wrong, but yeah, um, okay. they end up at 5,000. No, I'm sorry, 3,500 to 6,000, not 5,000. So we that can is fact the, check uh, you afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 3,500 to 5,000 and the uh, to 6,000, and the, the highest peak here is about 6,000. It's called uh, Hanuman Tiba. Uh, in terms of spirituality, I think uh, the land itself offers the opportunity, but the people themselves, um, those who are open to it, they come here and they, they are able to engage with the energies here and um, yeah, just uh, just be, um, as I can put it. This, this just popped into my head, but I recall you mentioning years and years ago um, that you, you had this, I don't know if it was a desire or a goal or just something you were thinking of at that moment, but you wanted to open up a tea shop. <laughs> on, the mountain, yes. on the mountainside. Um, yeah. And I and I said I would join you if you could figure out a way to get reliable internet out there. Um, yeah. Why do you think I'm here right now? Yeah, I yeah. Lay the groundwork for it. <laughs> is is this something that you would consider in the in the future, or or something you've you've revisited as a thought? Absolutely, the thought hasn't left me because I think for people who are in love with the mountains, they um, a lot of them have. Uh, there are a lot of tea shops here. I can mm. tell you that. Tea shops, coffee shops, you know. And the only way to stand out is that you do something different than just offer coffee, you know. Um, because so many people, can, you can go to a roadside stall and get a coffee. But uh, I think it's more about just wanting to establish a little bit more than um, just coffee. And, and there are so many um, coffee shops here. If you go to Dhamshala and you go to um, sort of a little bit more higher in the mountains there, they have set up libraries alongside their coffee shops. They have set up, you know, maybe um, a bed and breakfast. So these things, uh, and this is like self-sustenance, right? So um, a lot of people come here. Um, obviously, if you make it, if you build it in a place where there's a lot of tourism, you obviously mm -hmm. benefit more from it. Yeah. But in general, um, just self-sustenance and uh, just building something or starting something uh, that, that you've always wanted, I guess. Uh, I have not gotten anywhere close to having a tea shop or a coffee shop here as yet. But uh, I, I hope it will be at some point in, in, in my future. Um, I'd like to have some, some nice, uh, nice food, nice coffee, nice drinks, maybe um, a library alongside. And, uh, Good a place to read, yeah, why not? Yeah, exactly. Maybe even live music. That would also be you know, very that, cool. And engage engage the uh, the local talent to maybe come and perform. And and ah, the possibilities are endless. It's just laying the groundwork is uh, is what's uh, what's important and one of the most difficult parts, I guess. And me having not lived in India, it's not like I have too many contacts here mm -hmm. and 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 people that I can reach out to who have made coffee shops and 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 built businesses. Uh, very extensively. So for me, I have to come and live a little bit and uh, and then figure out a way by which I can actually get something rolling, you know, but mm -hmm. never, uh, I'm never going to let this idea go. I'll remind you because it, it is cool. Maybe, maybe I jumped ahead a bit though. Like maybe six months ago, you, you were working a, a job, like a, a desk job, right? Working um, for, for a company that I used to work for as well. Could you tell us about the journey of uh, departing from there, um, traveling a bit, and then coming to where you are now? Yeah, uh, so Pioneer. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> hey guys mean, if you're listening. Yeah, hello to everybody. Yes, hello. Um, formerly Optile, for us at least in the Munich office. I left the job that I was doing since 
August of 2017, initially uh, as a working student. Um, then I became full-time in 2019 when I went back to Canada. So almost three years of working uh, full-time and two years of, um, almost two years, yeah, two years of working as a working student. Uh, just felt I couldn't um, personally contribute anything more to the role. So I just um, decided, yeah, I think it's time to head off. Of course, the, the colleagues and, uh, and all the people I have uh, met at Bayonir has just been incredible. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, when it's the time to leave. I've told you before, so I left my past three jobs just without yeah. really even having a job afterwards. So for me, it's, um, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing right now, travel, be at ease and just not think of work if I was, yeah, attached to a job right now. So I've been, as you know, I've been traveling since uh, March 21st. And then end of March was the end of my employment. So since April, I've not been working. I, I visited Europe, obviously. I met you and, and a, few, a few other friends of mine. And obviously I had a little bit of a busy schedule so I couldn't meet everyone. And of course, I would have liked to spend more time with you. So I did a bit of a Euro trip, uh, went to Italy. I always wanted to visit Italy and, and, and um, spend some time there because that was the other place I felt I, I would like to live in and it has left a very good impression on me so we'll see what the future holds but um uh, it was uh, it was nice uh, just getting away from work and 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 just traveling a little bit meeting people i hadn't seen uh, since the start of covid so yeah it has been uh, really good and 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 since then i've come to india uh, about a month and some ago yeah and I've, I've just been yeah just just if I can say chilling, um, it's, but yeah, you also, definitely can. also just uh, bringing my mind to a place where I can uh, just be at ease, you know, uh, because, the, the mentality uh, course, is definitely different um, when you, when you're employed versus, yeah. you know, not being full-time employed. Yeah, absolutely. And you can, you have, ta- you have some taste of it now since the last week, week and a half. So yes, I, <laughs> I'm um, knee, knee deep into my freedom summer. So yeah, by the time this comes out, I will be really deep into it um, and probably not yeah. wanting to, to give it up. Yeah. yeah. But it, it has been really good for me. Uh, and, and like I said, previously, I've also left jobs without, uh, without having and, and good jobs, you know, secure jobs, mm-hmm. two, three years into the job and just decided that I cannot contribute anything more and, and, and I'm not gaining anything more from the job and I just quit. Yeah, without having a without having a job lined up, but I, I think for me it's more important being at ease. I and it's not uh, it's not like I was looking for jobs and then I didn't get a job, so I'm you know traveling now. I just didn't I haven't even looked. So I know I'll spend some time a month or two more before I you know actually start looking for work again. Okay. Uh, I think it's also a privilege to some extent mm-hmm. um, leaving a job without. Um, Having a job, obviously, I have responsibilities regards to my family and, and um, things in Canada. But when it's time to leave, it's time to leave, I feel, um, because yeah, it's just uh, you're, you get to a place where the, the more time you spend in, in the job, it's just uh, mm-hmm. not draining as such physically, mentally. It's more that you are not gaining anything more and it's time lost, which you could apply to maybe working on some other skill or, you know, I agree. Like it's, it's of course, definitely better to leave while people still like you, even though they, they might be upset <laughs> to see you go. I don't know. What was that quote from Batman? You, you like, you die the hero and live long enough yeah. to see yourself become the villain. So become the I don't villain, think yeah. it's completely analogous to what we're talking yeah. about, but um, it's something no. you can think about. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good quote. It's, I think it's, it's one of the most though. powerful statements. Uh, yeah, it's one of the most, or one of the top three powerful statement, statements from the entire Batman series. The first, uh, the main ones, the Christian Bale, I feel. It's, it's something that and resonated another, with me, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, no, and, another one that resonates yeah. me with me is, uh, is uh, you know, when, he, when he's in the jail and he says, these, uh, these so-called civilized people, uh, when, the, when the chips are down, they'll eat each other. It's, it's, yes. uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, if you travel around the world and you see, and you see things, I, I think um, people who didn't travel got to get a little taste of that during uh, the past two yeah. two years, you know, with the whole toilet paper thing. Just but also, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. It, it brings uh, it brings out the instability or instability um, um, of a person's mind when when the chips are down. It's it's so true. It's so natural, true. So though. That's why you know, people panic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's why it's so it's so important. I feel that in the in the development of a human human being, it's uh, you you spend some time or a lot of time working on your mind mm-hmm. and and trying to be trying to and not that it controls you that you control it. You know. I I agree. I mean, it it is like I admire that you can just leave without having something lined up. It, it is like something I considered, but I. I fortunately got an offer and then I had some time off. So I figured it's a good compromise for me, but um, did it become easier to leave a job without having something lined up after you had already done it before? Was the first time more difficult doing something like this? I wouldn't say it's easy. I wouldn't say it's easy for me to leave a job without having a job lined up because once you, once you have money in your account and, and, if you're sitting at home and doing nothing, you know, and you own the apartment already, then it's fine because the only thing you spend on is food. But if yeah. you'd like to travel a little bit here and there and, and you have rent and mortgages to pay and bills to pay, then uh, then definitely you have to think many, many, many times before you leave a job. Yeah. I think for you, it was uh, it was a bit, maybe not easy, but uh, a bit more uh, lined up for you if you had left your job uh, without having a job, because obviously uh, you're you're living with Miriam who could... Mm-hmm. Um, for some time, uh, you, you guys could work, and obviously you have savings, uh, yeah, so yeah. you could work with the, uh, work with that. Um, for me, I think it's for me it's more important that uh, I, I have gotten to a, I have gotten to a point that um, it's just that's it. Mm-hmm. There's a hard stop, and that's it. I, it doesn't matter if if like I said, it's also a privilege, right? It's I yeah. I, I don't have enormous debt on me that I have to pay off. Obviously, I have my uh, I have the apartment to pay for in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's there, but I have savings. I have had money previously as well. So things have been taken up care of. Obviously, we have uh, other sources of uh, revenue, obviously not not for me, but uh, mm-hmm. as a family. So it's okay for, for now, but it won't be for a very long time because I'll also run out of savings, right? Mm-hmm. So at some point I have to uh, I have to get back into the, <laughs> into the job scene. Okay. Um, but uh, I try to make use of what I have, what I have sure. what, what's happening right now, right? So I wouldn't say it, it, it was easier leaving it this time because I did it previously because every time the situation is not the same. Leaving Honda was, I had to leave. So I left Fiat um, because I wanted to move back to Canada from States and the job was uh, was uh, was good, but not something I wanted to continue. Again, I was working for Honda in, in Canada and I also left that because I wanted to leave Canada and just move out. And now pioneer. I'm a different person than when I was uh, when when I left those jobs. But also the mind frame is different, and 
exactly i wouldn't say it's easier but uh, the mind frame is different and and i feel it was the right time to leave is no right or wrong anyway but it was it, the time had come i had to come i had to I had to leave to sort of i wouldn't i don't want to say find myself but uh, just uh, travel and 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 meet my friends and and meet my family here i have my elders here and and i didn't want anything to get in the way of that or me enjoying these moments 100% thinking about work and so when you're at that stage then maybe it's uh, it's a bit more conducive to leave um, but yeah, again, but it's a privilege because a lot of people have are cannot afford to leave the job because they have families, they have kids, they have they have so many things going on. So mm-hmm. I, I would agree, like it is a privilege to be able to take time away from working and and also agree that like without the weight of um, a full time job, you can interact with people a little bit a little bit differently. You, yeah. I, I feel more relaxed for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think what contrib- contributes a little bit to your relaxation is also that you know you have um, a source of income that's going to start soon in Hopefully. a month or two. Yes, so yes. Let's let's not think about it. Yes, <laughs> let's, let's let's talk about something else, um, something more relaxing. I I would hope meditation. Like I know you 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 do a bit of it, um, but I specifically want to ask about silent meditation. Um, you told me about something you had planned on doing um prior or previously and um yeah i want to hear about it did you already do this uh silent meditation retreat is this something coming up for you and also what what does it consist of for people listening yeah so um what i mentioned to you was uh it's called vipassana and it's uh, basically uh going to a um um a retreat i can say a sort of retreat where uh, you meditate 12 hours of the day and um, some of the rules that you have to follow are absolute silence, except if you have any questions regarding the meditative process um, or the meditation or the chants that they teach you at the, at the uh, um, meditation center. So the one I'm going to is located in uh, McLeod Ganj, which is in Dharamshala. And it is, it is very close to for reference for, for the viewers, it's very close to or just beside the uh, the place where Dalai Lama gives his uh, his teachings. So I guess, in a way, the place is very sought after to do this kind of meditation, Vipassana. It's called Dhammashikara, by the way, uh, the place, okay. the location. But it's absolute silent meditation. You go there, you, you um, surrender everything that you have, uh, except your clothes and uh, some of the things you need to survive on a day-to-day basis toothbrush, toothpaste, yeah, just the most basic, uh, basic items, towel, uh, you know, don't forget the underwears, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though you have, uh, yeah, you have 10 days in which you, um, you try and uh, make the most of um, the teachings that they give you, um, and the meditation, and the chance that they, um, uh, that they guide you, and, and guide you on, and uh, yeah, it's called Vipassana, and I'll be starting that in three days' time until uh, the 26th, so 15th until the 26th. And uh, I, I won't have any contact with the outside world. Uh, it sounds dramatic, but there are millions of people on, on this earth who have done Vipassana, so it's not something new that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. So you just have to give up everything and then stay there for 10 days, meditate 12 hours of the day, and eat the most basic food. Um, and they have, they have an atmosphere or... Uh, or a surrounding that's conducive to meditation. 
uh, obviously they say, oh, you got to be Zen sitting in, uh, in traffic and in cities and in, uh, in, in trains and uh, among, among people who are chaotic and within, within the heart of chaos, the real meditation is that you have to sit within chaos and be meditative. But you can't do that until you have actually, you actually know how to meditate and how to be one with yourself. So you can't just throw someone in chaos and tell them, hey, go be meditative. <laughs> people who are able to stay Zen in chaos know, have learned it through several, several years of knowing how to be Zen and being in an atmosphere or being in a surrounding that, that has let them hone their skills, meditative skills. So this, it offers atmosphere of um, energies and meditativeness that uh, it's on the side of a mountain surrounded by uh, forests. So it, it's very conducive to actually building your potential to meditate. So, which is uh, very important if you actually want to be Zen in chaos, you know? So that, yeah, I'll be doing that uh, in, in, uh, for 10 days and, and let's see, I've, I've not researched this too much because I just want to experience it as I go. Obviously I look at, look at some things that I need to keep note of when I go, but I just want to go there and experience it for what it is rather than have preconceived uh, opinions and notion because people, people have done this so much because it has, I yes. guess, 80, 100 centers around, around the world and people have done this um, for the last several hundred, maybe not hundred years. It's a meditative technique that's present mm -hmm. for 500 years maybe, but the commercial form of it, which is the, the centers that they offer the opportunity to do this program, they've been active for so many years and many people have done this. So I don't want their opinions and their, and their uh, sort of, um, I just want to go there with a blank slate, you know? Yeah. I, I don't want to, yeah. So I, I experience it as I experience it, not through someone else's uh, words or view or anything like that. Uh, I just want to build my opinion. Obviously, I, I like what it offers. For example, the silence. Because mm -hmm. people go there. I don't know how many come out becoming silent. It's not, it's, uh, it's actually sort of being silent within uh, rather than keeping quiet, you know? Keeping mm -hmm. It's making it's, it's coming to a state where you know how chaotic your mind is and to do your work. Uh, it is a Hindu technique. It is, yeah, it's been around for a very long time. And uh, yeah, I look forward to experiencing it and I'll try and make a write-up write of this once I leave. And, and, and if you'd like to hear about it, I can tell you when I, when I leave. Yeah, I, I would love to. I don't feel like I'll become a completely, I don't feel like I'll be a completely changed human being when I leave. I know some people have had many transformations, but uh, mm -hmm. never say never, right? So let's see. Uh, I'll enjoy the stillness and the silence, which I already, COVID for me was a breeze because uh, I enjoy being uh, um, yeah, in silence, to be honest. So okay. I think the main, uh, main, uh, main challenge for me when I go there will be how to work in silence and meditate in silence when, when you just have the mind chatter, you know? So yeah, I, I can understand it. that. Um, I, I think by the time that this podcast comes out, you will, I think you'll be out of the yeah. meditation so it'll be interesting to check back in with yeah. you maybe yeah. we we won't be able to speak verbally and i'll we'll just have to be um chatting chatting with text yeah yeah i'll text yeah uh, something to add because uh, we went to a to an ashram it's a retreat uh, or an, a place of meditation that has been built on the side of the mountain uh, it's just a uh, there's a yogi there who who is uh, revered by uh, my family so we went there just to offer our prayers and be in good energies, being among good, good energies. So you sit to meditate and, and, and even though you're silent, you feel your mind racing a lot. So I think the, the challenge is to 
to see or find ways to still uh, still your mind when even when you are still um, in terms of not moving your lips and only thing you do is breathing right so it's it's hard it'll be a challenge keep but your mind I still yeah I would like to ask you. I've, sure. I know I, I, we did a, a, a quick meditation session when I was in Germany, mm-hmm. a slight one, but uh, I know Miriam does a bit uh, of chanting maybe or yoga as well. She does um, yoga and yeah, daily meditation. Um, my meditation experience is like, I, I would say I practice um, infrequently like mindfulness meditation as, mm-hmm. um, and then, and then also, and then meditation that's just focused on the breath. So I, I do those two okay. things. And I, I do find it the most challenging part of it is like, once you get physically still and um, you're not too concerned with your physical surroundings, the mental part is of course the most challenging. Sometimes I find myself <laughs> drifting um, or not really focused. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the most challenging part of the physical aspect aside from like, if you're, if you have a back issue that day is something like mosquitoes, I fucking hate mosquitoes and flies. So like, so, so like, yeah, yeah, when I'm outside and meditating, if I'm getting bit, I I like have to make a choice. Like, do I break this kind of state that I'm in and kill this motherfucker or, or do I continue and just let whatever happens to me happen during the duration, you know, and, and kind of accept what's going on. I would say, that yeah. has has been been challenging, to say the least. Yeah. I think what, what you just said is so important um, because I was, what I was going to say is that it's important to know your limitations also. There's physical limitations, there's mental limitations, and if you, you everybody's not born a Buddha, right? Uh, nobody's born a Shiva. Yeah. Um, you have to work on it over time. And one of the and what do you work on? You, you, the things you need to work on are your limitations. And if you don't recognize your limitations or know and accept your limitations, then there's, uh, you just, you have just considered yourself king of the world. And then there's, uh, yeah. there's nowhere, no one greater than you. So you, everybody has limitations if you, and, and it's, it's perfectly fine to, to have your meditation broken by anything, you know, you're not some ultimate form of, uh, uh, you know, Buddha or something that. Yeah. Uh, and we that, don't need to be this, right. Yeah. And we don't need to be exactly. If it's your goal, then, then that's what you pursue everybody has works around goals and stuff right so if your goal is to become the most profound yogi and have absolute mastery over your mind then you might be disappointed that hey uh, a, a, a mosquito broke my meditation or mm-hmm. i should not let it if it's broken it's broken you restart you know yeah except the limit limits of your um yeah mind body everything try and go beyond it I also do um, from time to time, or I used to uh, do Wim Hof breathing. I know it's, I know it has its roots in in um, other forms of like meditative breathing. Um, okay, so I'm I've done that. Um, it it's like a it's a mixture of breathing exercises with cold water exposure. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting uh, practice that I, I've tried here and there. Okay, wait, I want to jump to. Street yeah. photography. Um, I know. Yeah. I know you've had an interest in photography in general for yeah. a long time. You've done different types of photography, but I'd like to start with street photography. Like, um, how? When did you get into this? How did you get into it? Um, let's start there. Yeah, the photography. Um, I enjoy doing it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's nice. It's also a sort of it's also a form of meditation. Um, just to back on the previous topic 
because it's just you and the camera. And um, uh, unless you're doing it as a profession, uh, you need to be around people. It's just you, the street, the people, the cars, the buildings, the shadows, the light. Obviously, I'm, I'm no master of uh, photography. It's, it's, a, it's a hobby for me. I got into it until, until about 2019. I really didn't really care much for photography. But in 2018, I was in the Himalayas um, and I took some pictures, which were featured also by you in your Bobis Dude um, um, blogs. And I, I bought a, I think it was 100 euros that I paid for it. It was a Olympus um, mm -hmm. E510. And it was, I purchased it on eBay. And I got a couple of lenses with it and it was really well maintained. It was a 2009 model and it was maintained by very well maintained by a photographer. It was a very, it had a lot of limitations, the camera, but I did manage to take some pictures for my purposes of the thesis and also just in general to, to make use of it and to learn. I purchased it to learn and also uh, to uh, sort of uh, use in my thesis. But then COVID hit and in 2020, I purchased uh, a Fuji. It's a... Fujifilm X-T30 and I bought a couple of lenses also, also with it and I started with static photography just plants and, and flowers and, and it was nice seeing really crisp detail because it has it, it, it was a big jump from my previous camera and uh, I know you mentioned specifically street photography the reason I started street photography was because I got bored with static photography and then I saw a YouTube video I forget whose it was because there are so many um, it was a person just walking on the street with a GoPro attached to his uh, chest and he was just taking photos of random people and then he would present them on the screen while they, he was also showing the video of his photo walk and it looked really nice. The editing, of, of course, is a big part of it as well in, in current times. Uh, the photo itself just doesn't matter. You have to have pleasing edits, um, especially if you're trying to grow your Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and such. Uh, but in general, the essence of street photography is just capturing moments on the street. A lot of it can be also light and shadow if you, if you, if you uh, are into light and shadow. Uh, so there are different kinds of street photographies also. I try and do a mix of uh, a lot of things. Um, I generally like shooting people uh, in action, their expressions, their faces, and uh, them doing interesting things on the road, talking, mm -hmm. kissing. It's, it's natural human emotion that uh, that you just see on TV otherwise and on Netflix, you know, mm -hmm. because a lot of people uh, in the COVID pandemic time, they, they were just glued to television and their screen. So it helped me uh, sort of get out, obviously. And it was also my way of uh, sort of coming out of a shell because uh, I'm not a very extroverted person. I'm kind of an introvert. So taking photos of people and having them acknowledge me and if at all I go and talk to them, I've sent photos to so many people that I met on the street mm -hmm. and just take their emails and send them portraits. Um, so it was also uh, uh, important for me to sort of not become an extrovert, but open up some new dimensions within mm -hmm. myself, uh, you know, get out there, talk to people, take photos of so photography itself, the camera itself. I mean, I mean, these are maybe I'm saying very strong words is nothing people can shoot today, including myself that hasn't been shot or that mm -hmm. hasn't been um, covered. You know, it's uh, everything on Instagram is, uh, is imitations of what has been achieved by great photographers in the past. You know, so if people think that they're on Instagram and, 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 and they're doing something significant in photography, I feel that's not very true <laughs> because everything that you can do today has been done with much more limited equipment and much more. Uh, in much more intense times. So 
street photography is, is always close to my heart. It's always going to be, and I keep trying to do it here, but the weather is not very conducive and my camera mm -hmm. is not waterproof. Oh, so okay. I'll keep trying to do it here in my travels. I did some in Europe, but I like to, I would like to make more of, uh, more of the privilege of having a camera and having social media that you can reach out to people. So I don't know if it's a change of topic, but it's something I would like to work on sure, uh, sure. moving forward is, is uh, of course, the Himalaya are very close to, to me, to my heart. So I would like to start something that brings out the work and life of people that live in this part of the world that have lives that live and die, I should say, mm -hmm. and that have lives that people don't usually see because on Instagram, you want to post something very dramatic, always like very dramatic portraits of people on the street in India, you know, mm -hmm. that, uh, that gets a lot of likes, you know, very detailed portraits and, and smiles, which a lot of great photographers have done already. So of course, you know, humans of New York, you know, humans of maybe, you know, humans of Bombay. So I would like to start something like that for, for the Himalayas. I don't know how much I can achieve, but uh, it's some, it's a pet project. I would like to take street photography into the next stage of actually talking to them, mm -hmm. photographing them, and uh, just telling their stories. For example, if I can say, um, I don't know if they're running short of time, but a quick example, no, no, I, I, I met a couple of uh, soldiers, ex-army people in, in the Himalayas, and they have seen a lot of action. They were in the infantry division, so they have moved a lot across. Mm -hmm. And the border for India with Pakistan and China is a very volatile border. Yeah. So they have seen action, a lot of action. So... Uh, one of the folks I met, uh, I was uh, really uh, taken aback by his experience. So I, I asked him, hey, can I have 20 minutes with you maybe? Um, record some of your experiences. He was, very, he was more than welcome. And, and the, the thing with people in the mountains are very, very simple, very, very down to earth, very rooted people. So it's, they, they are more than happy to um, sort of present themselves. Yeah. I'm, it's not, I, I don't want to feel like I'm taking advantage of them to grow my Instagram or something. It's just a pet project. I don't plan to make anything out of it. It's just I want. It's a pet project. I would like to showcase yes. the life and see where it goes. People. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, sorry, yeah, the the person I met and he had given twenty two years of his life to to the military and seen so much action in maybe 10, 20 parts of uh, the Indian border and within within the Indian state. So um, I would like to take twenty minutes. And then he was very happy. He was like, "Hey, do you want me to wear my uniform for the for the photographs?" I was like. Sure. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. Why not? Uh, so I, I'll maybe meet him tomorrow or something. And cool. and there are people you can meet on the street. So it's sort of street photography, but also uh, a form of documentary photography, which I would like to move towards. And, uh, okay. Yeah. Pet projects, you know. Um, okay. I, I want to go into this a little bit, but I I also yeah, want to sure. ask. Um, I guess maybe this applies more to city people, but how do you mm -hmm. typically approach people on the street for photography? Do do you sometimes yeah. maybe not have time for people in passing or do you see somebody interesting and go up to them and be like, Hey, I, I like whatever's going on here. Um, do you mind if I take your photo? Blah, blah, blah. That's another tricky one. And it depends from person to person. Okay. The person who's taking the photo, not from, and also it depends on the people you're shooting, but a lot depends on the person who is shooting because again, me being a sort of an introvert, I, find it all, not always easy to approach people. Hey, can I take a mm -hmm. photo? But I've done it. Um, yeah. it's, it's a learning for me. But it's um, for people who are always um, able to talk to people anywhere on the street. For them, I, there are so many uh, Instagram friends I've made who, who have superb portraits and, and mm -hmm. they actually sort of 
have the background story for those people as well. So that also inspires yeah. me, you know. Uh, many of them sitting in Boston and in, in, in maybe in somewhere in Europe, Italy, uh, London, for example. And um, it's not always easy for me to approach people on the street, but and it, it also depends on the day. If if I feel very yeah, <laughs> introverted yeah. that day, so I'll just I'll just go walk around without speaking to a single person for four hours, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's it's it depends on the person who's shooting and also what your mindset is on the day you're shooting. For me, at least. If I'm very casual, then and I feel the person and the person I shoot is very responsive, and they acknowledge me with a smile or something. Unless they are out of reach in a bus or in a in a, in a cab or something like that. Otherwise, um, other than that, I, I maybe share a few words, and if at all I get their email addresses, I can send them the photos. But again, it depends on the day and who I'm shooting, what I'm shooting, because I don't shoot people always. Sometimes I just want to shoot very. Um, detailed shots, for example, just the hands or um, um, just the maybe someone holding a child, you know, it depends on the day. But uh, in general, if you're doing portrait photography on the street, then it's nice to approach people sometimes. You can't approach everyone because you also have to judge their expression and, and how they respond. And also street photography, as you know, is not uh, looked very well upon in some European countries, yeah. Some European countries, like Germany, yes, starting yeah, with in particular, uh, starting with G, <laughs> the big G. <laughs> um, but again, there are street photographers in in Germany who, yes. who post photos without consent, without and take photos without, uh, you know. Well, the problem is posting them. Taking pictures is still okay, but posting them and and making money from them could be looked upon badly by the law. Um, but mm -hmm. people in Germany take their street photographers. I know who do really. Ex really amazing work um but like in india again i'm still testing the waters because uh, yeah. it's a not a new place for me but so i don't know how people look at me i did take some photos i haven't have have to look through them but uh, mm -hmm. i feel a lot also depends on on how i i feel that day and how i approach the shot maybe if i want to be just use a screen or i'm a bit more you know silent look into the lcd instead of mm -hmm. actually looking through the screen yeah, you were just saying that um, it really depends on how you feel and you're going to kind of test the waters um, where you are in yeah. terms of street photography. Exactly. Okay. Um, exactly, yeah. And it depends. It goes from day to day as well, you know, yeah. um, how you feel, what, what you're trying to shoot. Maybe you try to shoot very detailed shots, very, very focused shots, and it's not just the people themselves. Then it's a different, uh, different way you have to approach it and different mindset. So. Okay. I enjoy it very much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I definitely can tell you you have passion for this. If you can, could you share some of your your tips or things that you've learned about growing a photography oriented Instagram page? Because there there's certain things that you know might might not um, come intuitively, like you know. So do share, do tell. Yeah. Um... Photography and Instagram, there are so many photographers. It, it started off purely um, for, for people to photograph, uh, photograph their lives, their surroundings. But uh, as you know, they're, they are trying to um, move more towards what TikTok is doing and trying to promote reels and, 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 and trying to get people to, to make more videos rather than, um, mm -hmm. than photos. So um, in terms of photography, Instagram, may not be the best place uh, if you're looking to make it into something big. I'm not sure what, what is a big place because I've been on Instagram since last two, two years, two and a half years now, just purely for photography. 
a lot has to do with obviously you have to have quality work and there's nothing like i said there's nothing you can put on instagram that hasn't been posted already you can just give maybe one percent of your of your own input into it otherwise people have shot street for for ages you know mm-hmm. and and so many are doing so uh, so prolific such prolific work um, and and um, i just feel uh, if you if you are purely dark it's again why are you on instagram are you looking Mm -hmm. at looking towards it as just a hobby or you want to make it into something you want to connect it to something else the way to grow is of course you have to spend time on instagram you have to you have to engage with people engagement is a big part of it you have to post frequently um and you have to most importantly know that this is a virtual space and that everything that you're doing is is on Instagram servers and 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 once you post, you you really have no control over what's happening with your content, right? So you have to know that uh, uh, that if you don't get likes, you should not. I mean, obviously you're going to be disappointed that oh, it's such a great photo. At least you feel that it's, a, it's an mm-hmm. amazing picture. You get like five likes, you know, and you have a thousand followers. Um, I'm just exaggerating, but you know what yeah. I mean. So I think the main important point to note when you approach Instagram and anything social media is prepared to be uh, a little bit disappointed initially yeah, yeah. or at times if you're not getting the traction that you need because it's it's not in your control the al- uh, the algorithm the algorithm of, of Instagram is haywire most of the time uh, it changes month to month maybe I'm, I'm not uh, uh, sort of a, an expert in this but that's mm-hmm. what, what I hear from people uh, because I know many photographers who were doing good work, who got disappointed by the lack of traction they're getting and they just got, they just lost their love for photography. And I know photographers who really don't give a damn about, you know, getting followers and getting, um, they just want to document something. Yeah. So for yeah. them, it's, uh, it's, it's really, they're, they're at, they're at ease with themselves about their photography. And, and it's hard to always be that way because uh, you obviously want to get something out of it. If you're putting something into it, you know, your time, effort to edit, take the photos, but I think it's important to know that there are going to be times when you will not get traction and in those times not to lose sight of what you really want to achieve through the photography. Um, if, you, if your pure aim is to grow followers, you really have to put a lot of effort in, into engagement, into uh, making, making uh, content that's, um, that stands out a little bit, even though nothing really stands out, but mm-hmm. you have to make it stand out some way, you know? Yeah. Um, look for uh, photo competitions online, get your, get your entries. And it's just, you have to find ways to market yourself. Um, everything is marketing at the end of the day. So you have to make Excel tables. Maybe if you go too much into detail about Instagram algorithms, uh, you have to get, you have to find out which times are conducive to you posting and uh, mm-hmm. which part of the world you are in, who is your audience. And, and uh, it's one-on-one marketing, right? Um, yeah. um, and, 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 uh, important that uh, you keep improvising also um, because everything has been done, like I said, for the 10th time before by so many people. Um, and for me, it's important. It was important to meet good people, great people on, on Instagram and, and growth comes as it comes. Um, I, I have noticed myself if I put, if I post six days a week, uh, my traction is way more than if I post twice a week or mm-hmm. once a week, regardless of what I post, even though I'm happy with my, uh, content not maybe someone else was like ah, what is this nonsense you know mm-hmm. um, so I think there are so many philosophies you can follow to grow Instagram but at the end of the day whatever you use just be prepared 
and know that this is a virtual space. It's not, it's not something that should control your life or your yeah. emotions, even though at times it may, but overall you should realize this. Uh, but anyway, for people who are trying to grow and make it into something big, obviously traction is achieved by engagement and following the right people, um, commenting, uh, featuring in your stories other people, and then they feature you. It's tried and tested ways of uh, of growing your audience and growing your followers. So you have to spend time on it. And if you're willing to spend the uh, energy and and uh, your eye, um, you know, the hours on that that take a toll on your eye on on the screen then it'll work for you you know i i think that's a well well balanced answer um in in terms of i know i know you i i'd say so um i wish my interviewer said that to me i would get all the jobs then <laughs> i would hire you i just get told we'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> well well we're not at that point of this interview yet yeah um i know, um, <laughs> I, I know yes. that you for a while you did have some interest in landscape and wildlife photography and <laughs> since you're in a physically quite beautiful place will you will you be engaging in that a little bit in the near future absolutely 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 i've already taken some wildlife photos that are local to the area birds we get a lot of monkeys a mm. lot of them because a lot of uh, havoc in people's houses um so i have some moments really nice moments that i've captured um i'll try and put them on on instagram and show show people how this area is like sort of documentary style at some point um but yeah the landscape i can't it's hard to describe with words what the what the himalaya are until you get here and actually go to the mountains to the to the base and then experience the mountains uh, of course you have the alps you have the andes you have the um, um the, the rockies but yeah we don't Himalayas. have monkeys yeah yeah <laughs> we don't have just monkeys people. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. people monkeying around <laughs> yeah we have crazy people uh, that's for sure um and yeah, wildlife and and landscape it's uh, obviously the entire earth is full of gorgeous landscape it's what you choose, you choose to go. Obviously, you can love everything and anything. People can take stunning photos, even sitting in in, in um, you know um, in, in in the basement, you know. Yes. But landscape photography requires a different mindset. It requires a sort of it requires a lot of patience. It requires you to sacrifice your time of the day. And the light is good, and so if you're willing to take these things into account and and just give yourself up to to the process, just like in meditation, you'll see results. You'll see, you'll see good photos. You'll see, you'll see yourself grow as a photographer as well. I'm speaking so much about photography. I'm, I'm really not a photographer. I wouldn't even call myself a photographer. It's, it's a hobby for me. Well, um, maybe I'm regurgitating what other more. You know, you know, if you said, take, if you take photos, I would consider you a photographer. <laughs> so, a two-year-old yes. takes photos these days with their smartphone. There, hey, that <laughs> two-year-old, that two-year-old is a photographer. <laughs> Um, but before yeah. we, we yeah. wrap things up, I want to ask you what, what did the yeah. next few months look like for you? I know you mentioned you're, you're looking forward to starting this like documentary style photography of the Himalayas or the people there at least. And then you have this silent yeah. meditation coming up. Um, anything else you want to mm -hmm. share with us? Yeah. So the initial, my main goal was to come to India and, and experience people, and, and the people and, and the energies and, and the places and document them through the lens 
obviously, uh, as of yet, I haven't been able to get out there and do it extensively because uh, I've also been spending a lot of time with, uh, with my elders and my family that I haven't met for a long time. Uh, and now I'm going to this uh, silent retreat for 10 days and I plan to do it a lot more once I uh, head out from there. Um, obviously, I, I can't tell what my mindset will be when I leave, hopefully in a better place, obviously, and more, more stable and, and a bit more with myself. So I, I, I look forward to using the, the time after uh, my meditation uh, to, uh, to spend time taking photos, meeting people, uh, going to some places that I would like to take photos in. And that requires travel. And, and mm -hmm. uh, so that would be until uh, maybe September. And then I, um, I plan to go back to Canada for a month, maybe a month and a half, two months, um, just for some personal business. And yeah, and then, uh, then I'll be, um, then I'll plan my next, because I would uh, prefer to move further east from North America. So let's see. I have nothing, uh, nothing planned as yet, but I would like to move further east. Um, based on what I figure out I want to do as work in the, you know, in the foreseeable future, if I can in, in incorporate photography into it, that's, that'd be nothing like it. But even otherwise, I would like to move further east. So I'll decide that when I get back to Canada, how and when, how and when I, I, I do that. But looking forward to um, maybe Europe, if I find it conducive to me, I'll, I'll move um, maybe here. This is, this place is, love of my life so at some point i will be here um now or in the future but let's see i look forward to because the future right now i i leave it blank i yeah. i just want to take it as 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 i see it so i haven't pre-planned anything and and um yeah maybe it's uh, it's a foolish thing maybe it's not a foolish thing we'll figure that out as we go but yeah. as long as uh, uh as long as you it's it's your conscious decision and and you are um, okay with it and and things around you sort of okay not add up but uh, line up then it's 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 okay to uh, to have a sort of a white white slate moving forward i like just it being mentally stable is most important even though even if you don't have income you don't have things going for you just staying a little bit well up there is very important in in these sense especially you can see uh, during covid what uh, what happened so yeah, the progress I, will happen, and I look forward to the meditation and, and telling you about it. Yes, um, wherever you go, we we will be uh, keeping keeping tabs yeah. on you and checking in. Um, yeah, thank so for for people listening, thank you very much for having a listen. I'll I'll include links and things to the stuff Anish talked to in the show notes. And um, I'll include his Instagram handle so you can have a look at some of the lovely photography that we talked about. Um, thank you. Have a very nice day. Thank you. Thanks a lot for listening.